All right, welcome back to Paranormal Playboy with Joey Marinopoulos and Joe LaPenta. Tonight's episode will be on Phil Schneider and Dulce Bass. How you feeling, Joe? Hello, Joe. Let me adjust my mic here. Sorry. I can't get a, a comfortable space here. We need you comfortable. I'm comf- I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And, you know, I kind of feel like a rock star with this <laughs> mic here. It's like a mic stand. I like to fiddle with it. Good. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good, Joe. Uh, I'm excited to be here recording our second episode. Uh, there was a little bit of a delay. I know we had to get approved on all platforms before we continue recording. I did have to write a letter to Apple and Google <laughs> in order to get us approved. So the government is already trying to block I, us, I, I think. Know. They tried to sabotage us, but we got through. Yeah, uh, I had to write them a, a little letter, and they approved us, so we are good to go. Uh, now on all major platforms, so please check us out. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family. Tell everybody you know. All right, Tell awesome. everyone. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to say. My life's boring. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. Well, well uh, the topic, Phil Schneider, we were going to talk plenty on him. So we have plenty of interesting things to say, Joe. And don't yeah, worry. We're going to corroborate him with other things. And uh, I'll start us off because I have stuff to say on my phone. You're a man of many words. All right, anyway. All right, here we go. So uh, first, what I want to do is, you know, I just assume that everybody's up to date on like things I know, and that's not necessarily the case. So I want to go over a couple different aliens or humanoid aliens that you are know out there. a lot. Thank you, Joe. And that big head of yours. <laughs> because if you don't, you just assume people know, and if you don't say it, they don't know. So before we get into Phil, I'm gonna say three or bring up three different kind of alien species that are have been out there or been alleged. And first is the gray aliens. Gray aliens are gray-skinned humanoids, usually three to four feet tall, hairless, large heads, black almond-shaped eyes, nostrils without a nose, and slits for mouths. So this has been the traditional alien since like the 1960s that everybody talks about. And then uh, secondly, we'll go into the more human-looking aliens. They're called the Nordic aliens. They're from like Norse mythology, like Odin and Thor, Um, you know. They didn't come from the Marvel Universe. They actually came from somewhere else. <laughs> wow. Those are characters in real life? I know. I, dude, Thor could be real. He could. That'd be crazy. He could be uh, Chris Hemsworth or whatever his name is, right? Well, I'm sure he's a tall, you know, strapping man. <laughs> strapping young man. But, <laughs> but anyway. Maybe no- not Chris Hemsworth. He probably is. All right. The Nordic aliens are humanoids with stereotypical Nordic features, tall blonde hair, blue eyes, and have been featured in several contact cases. Um, a man named Charles Hall, uh, talks about the tall whites. He's talking about the Nordic aliens. I'm going to talk about that later. And then lastly, an alien species I want to talk about before we go into Phil is the reptile aliens. The reptilians. The reptilians. are commonly called. Yeah. Where's my notes on that? Oh, here we go. Yeah. So the reptiles are tall, scaly humanoids, reptilian humanoids, Date back to ancient Egypt. Uh, They're in like ancient Sanskrit texts, like the Hindu religion. They talk about the Nagas, the snake people. And then a lot of Native Americans talk about the reptiles as snake people as well. So uh, they're also called the Draco, Draco Malfoy, Slytherin. You know, everything (laughs) makes sense. Like, you know, everything comes from a root word and it makes, you know, there's a reason for it. You didn't catch that? Did I just give you that little Harry Potter thing? Yeah. Yeah, see? But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to brush up on some aliens so we're all familiar because 
tonight's topic is going to pretty much bring all three of them in to Phil Schneider. So, Joe, could you give us Phil Schneider or who he was? Yeah, so Phil Schneider was a... He was a... A man. A geologist, right? Or no, what? he was an engineer. Engineer, yeah. Yep. So he was born of a father named Oscar Schneider, who we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, but essentially, his big thing was... In 1979, he got employed by uh, Morrison Knudsen, who then stationed him in uh, Camp Dulce, uh, New Mexico. Yes. So, what he, he says he doesn't know what he was doing there, but he was essentially hired to, to dig holes, yeah. to dig large holes. And um, I guess he was an explosive expert, so he would kind of examine the rock and, you know, wherever, uh, you know, they were digging. And he would see what the best way to kind of, you know, explode this rock or whatever, clear it out is. Yeah, he was pretty much digging tunnels or caverns for the military. Yes. That's what his job was in the 70s. And he said he didn't really know what it was for. Who knows? You think you might know, you know, when you're doing such an important thing. But then you'll find a twist. So yeah, What a twist. So he starts building these holes and uh, it started off with four large holes um, to form like a square. In Dulce, New Mexico. Yes. And so they have a machine that he says is like a laser that shoots out like rock. So rather than digging, you could shoot out miles of rock in a day uh, with this laser. So they're got the four holes, they got the laser positioned, and now they're starting to connect. You said they're starting to make these tunnels, right? Yeah, yeah. So these tunnels are being made. The, the machine fails. And so Bill Schneider along with another man, and a Green Beret. There yeah. was, you know, military stationed in this place. High military presence. Yep. They go down there to see what the problem is, and then that's when they run into these tall greys. Yeah, so I didn't mention them as one of the species. There's Some people claim there's thousands of alien species. Some say there's 26 or less. But it's a variation of a grey alien is what Phil says. And I think mm-hmm. he says um, in his contact with the alien that they smell horrible. I just want yep. to make a note of that because uh, other alien abductees or contactees have described a similar sulfur type of smell. And I just want to make a note so when we talk later <laughs> on in different podcasts, I'd be like, if they smell bad, or if someone remembers <laughs> that they smell bad, I believe them. Yeah. it Actually, like you said, a lot of people's stories with their grays is that they stink. Yeah. Yeah. So... um there's two main types of grays, Phil says, tall and small. The small grays are like three to four feet. The tall grays could be seven or taller. I mean, you don't really know. So he, they encountered the tall grays. Now, here's where people... Sorry about that. I, no, you're fine. I hit the mic stand, see? I hit the mic stand. Got to stop fidgeting. I talk with my hands a lot. I'm Dude, very we, directional. We were supposed to get a, set up cameras and make a YouTube channel. We're going to be doing that. I know, so. but I'm kind of disappointed, so... <laughs> This is all. This is stuff that you got. You should be seeing us, as well. But anyway, yeah. Go ahead. He gets in there. He so sees the aliens. He sees the aliens, and people say this is kind of weird. Um, and the haters of Phil say this is weird. So, he's carrying his pistol for him with him for some reason. I'm not really sure. Maybe it's a military based protocol. Maybe they all carry pistols. Who knows? Yeah. So he encounters these aliens, freaks out, pulls his pistol and shoots them. Yeah. So he initiated the fight. Yes. And, uh, of course, they reciprocated. They got him. So That's yeah. all I could say is they got him. <laughs> so, uh, Bill says that uh, 
he says he encountered the aliens. He shot at them. Uh, and then the aliens, um, he says he killed one, I guess. But he said yeah. that an alien looked at him, waved over the alien's own chest. And after he did a wave, mm-hmm. like some sort of beam shot at Phil and fucking yes. zapped the shit out of him. He and says, gutted him like a fish. Gutted him like a fish. And he said he fell back into like the rig he was in. And then the Green Beret with him, you know, mm-hmm. got in front of him and started shooting back at the aliens and then hit the button and sent him back up on the rig. Yeah. And that's how he got up. And the Green Beret stayed down there. And he, he, he assumes he died. Yeah. I mean, he says he died. He, when he, like, talks, he says the Green Beret, you know, gave his life to save mine. So, I mean, I'm sure there's more than just the two down there. So, he probably got taken out if it's a true story if but it's a true story. this is this is some wild stuff out there and phil's story is phil's story is like the most remarkable you know government whistleblower story because he's saying some crazy shit but like the way yeah. he corroborates it with his lectures is very interesting um the material he brings like he brings like rocks he claims that are from down there or whatever that have like metals that are from different planets like he starts to go into it. I don't know how much longer he stayed in the program after this. I don't know if you know that off the top of your head. I don't. But, yeah, Phil's story starts getting crazy. And then if you look at him figuratively, like his his body, like he says he got shot with a beam from the alien, and he shows, like, his chest, and there's, like, mm-hmm. there's a scar, you know, up his stomach. It goes and, from the bottom of his chin to below his belly button. Yeah. And then he has a... Uh, horizontal one from like side to side so it's almost like a t scar yeah. and yeah there's you can see pictures of him holding his shirt up and you can see the scar and then if you look at like his hand i don't know this is his left hand he's missing two mm-hmm. fingers in the center like and what's, got, what's like funny is if you think about how you hold a gun yeah. he's like missing the fingers that would have been like on the handle because i think he's missing his ring finger and his middle finger yeah i don't and he probably pulled that. the trigger with his you know your trigger yeah. finger yeah which is covered by metal. Yeah. And then the beam might have just hit his two fingers that are holding the handle Dude, of the gun. you're on a different level right now, man. Damn. So th- I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> and and the scar is, like, biggest in the middle. Yeah. So it makes sense. Like, I don't know. Maybe the guy has bad luck. Maybe he got those scars and then blew off his finger some other way. <laughs> but, I mean, it makes sense that he got shot with some kind of, you know, E.T. weapon. Yeah. So, uh... You know, I guess to go back a little bit. So that's that's pretty much the story of what he claims. And then to go back, you know, we talked about the aliens when we opened up the show. Um, we sh- we should have hit on, or we can't hit on now, like Native American tribes. Like they talk about the snake people that came out from, you know, under the ground and took them down there to live. You know, uh, mm-hmm. there, there's also the Hopi tribes talk about how they lived with the ant people underground. And if you think about it, the snake people could be the reptilian people, the ant people, because ants have big eyes, you know, they could be the grays. Like and they are living underground yeah. in Phil's story. And they're living underground in Phil's story. So there is like legend of, you know, extraterrestrials, or maybe they, they were here first, you know, living inside the Earth's crust, kind of like a hollow earth theory. We're going to talk a lot about hollow earth. This I'm a hollow earther. I believe that. <laughs> You know, there is a space inside the earth. I'm not saying that there's no core, but I'm saying underneath the first layer of crust, there's probably something else to wiggle around with. But uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, so you got that. You want to talk about um, the, what's it called? The city with the vents? What's that we, called? Don, uh, Dan? We, I mean, we, we can bring that up. Yeah, I mean, if you want to. 
yeah. talk about that kind of uh, stuff. So it was uh, Deru Kayan. I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. Yeah. Um, but this was an underground city that, I mean, it still, it still exists now. It's still there. It's in Turkey or something, right? Or Istanbul. Yeah. Um, so... Pause while he looks for his notes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we'll go to commercial. You so, get your notes uh, ready. Yeah, so it's an underground city. It's 13 floors deep. Yeah. And it is uh, has ventilation to the surface. It could house 20,000 men, women, and children or more. And there is a stable for livestock down there. Um, so they had animals down there with them. Uh, it they compare it to building the pyramids. Like it would yeah. have been a massive job. Well, this city is like and 13,000 years old, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. That's what I want to get at. It's an ancient civilization. Um, and the, the reason why it was so hard to construct, they say is because it, the rock there is like so soft that when you're building floors, you have to be careful about how much you chip away at. And they said, that there's really no way for them to know how to manipulate that rock. You could have, just for example, you could have a foot thick piece that is fine in one area, but a thick foot piece in another area that if you step on it, you fall through. Uh. So th- it's just the strangest material to build something out of. Yeah. So it, it's like, how was it built? Like we needed help building this. Like this, like is this, this ancient man cannot build the <laughs> yeah, city. Right. Yeah. With everything, pyramids, anything you pick. Is this a place with the doors, the heavy doors? Is that yeah? It? So, it so the the people that inhabited this place they believed yeah. in different gods. Um, yeah. I'm probably gonna say this wrong. Uh, so their god Ahura Mazda, yep, is the one that told them to build this underground city, uh, and and they're not really sure why it was built. Um, they're saying it could have been during the ice age, the ice age was happening. So they could have told the people to build this so they could survive the ice age. But there's a lot of, uh, drawings and like, you know, uh, different script about this. And so another theory is that there's like a rival alien could have been a separate alien race. It could have been somebody from the same race Yeah. or I'm calling him an alien. Sorry. A god or the god's rival, Mazda's rival. Gods or aliens? Go um, exactly. Uh, this one I'm gonna say even worse. Probably um, Agra Manu. Agra Manu uh, was Mazda's enemy, and there's drawings that are depicting them fighting. And so another theory is that they could have sent these people underground to protect them while an alien war was happening above them, uh, because modern, uh, you know, scientists say the ventilation system is almost undetectable from above and that it would be even hard for us to build something so undetectable. Yeah. Uh, be, and then why was everything hidden? Because, you know, you got ships flying over you with incredible technology and they could detect, you know, if there's an underground city. So yeah. everything just had to stay hidden. Um, so I guess that... Yeah, this is Daring Kuyu, Turkey. Yep. This is where the city was from. Um I think that's interesting because in like the 1600s, there's a painter that painted what he saw in the sky one day. And he said when he looked up in the sky, he saw all these like crosses and, you know, things that were like shooting at each other in the sky. And that kind of corroborates like what you're saying about the city. It could be for these people to stay alive or who knows. But anyway. But the point, the point is. Subterranean life, you know, people. Yeah. Aliens are, you know, living underground is like the point. Like you know, the movie, Phil, Phil the and Com- 
Have you ever seen The Abyss with Bruce Willis? No. Dude, he goes so far. Like, I, I was like 12 years old. I thought I was watching like a, a water movie because like his <laughs> ship is going underwater and he's like, you know, a submarine guy. And I was like, all right, Bruce, how far are you going down? Like, <laughs> he goes so far down. He can't go back up. He has no choice but to go as far down as he can. He, fun- he gets to a point where he breaks through and he gets to like an alien civilization so far underneath the water. And the UFO comes up and picks up his ship and takes him up into the back to earth. Uh, like the, you know, mm-hmm. the regular, mm-hmm. you know, who, ma- who made this movie? Do you I know? I don't know, man. You go look it up. It's a good okay, movie. Yeah, look it up. Uh, the reason why is ask us because we could do that now. We just got to send <laughs> James Cameron back down there. Yeah. He could find it for us. He went to the bottom of the Mariana trench. Yeah, I think man. he's the only man that was down there. Interesting shit down there, man. You don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know what's down there. That's what I'm saying. That movie smacked me in the face. I was like, what? I was like, I never even thought about UFOs in the water yeah. like back then. Yeah. And now it's a very uh, widely talked about, like Topic, you said, yeah. ho- hollow earth. Yeah. You know, they get they go in the hollow earth from the ocean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, well, I guess the point being is we talk about this ancient city, as I was saying, because it just kind of goes to show that these underground civilizations have existed for thousands of years. Exactly. And it, this is nothing new. Um, actually, Phil said that this particular group of aliens he encountered, he said, was there for what he believes to be four to 500 years in that area in yeah. Camp Dolce. Yeah. So there's even older ones than that, obviously. Yeah, I even got uh, on my notes is, you know, there's petroglyphs in North America. Like petroglyphs are like, you know, the carvings on the rocks. Yep. They show humanoid figures with like bowls on their heads. It looks like astronauts. Like it looks like. Yeah, I mean, well, you go back to the Mayan civilization, most of their carvings had respirators or helmets on or something. Yeah. It's kind of like history is repeating itself or like we, you know, maybe I don't even know what to say about it, but (laughs) something else was here besides us. It's in our, you know, it's in our history, but we're not looking at our history, you know? Yeah. It are. Well, I think we kind of mentioned this maybe not on the podcast, but we've talked about how history is just being rewritten and stuff is being taken away from us and written by the victors. Yeah, we we, t- we actually did say this on the podcast. Yeah, yeah I remember that yeah. on, on the last episode, the Bob Lazar episode, which is Bob a very Lazar. good one. You guys Bob should uh, check it out. Do we know what button that is? Uh, no, I can't risk it. <laughs> yeah, You're listening to Paranormal. That's not the one? <laughs> no. That's the cops. All right. All right. Scratch that. All right, never mind. I can't, I can't play with the buttons anymore. We don't have it. You got button happy. But anyway, um... Before I lose my train of thought. Um, you were talking about, you know, we were talking about the underground. Yeah, we're talking about lizard yeah, people, man. So, I mean, lizard people didn't, like, come, you know, Phil Schneider's not, like, the first person to talk about lizard people. In, like, 1933 in L.A., they had a guy that was, like, looking for, you know, underground treasure in L.A., and he drew a picture of all these caverns and tunnels, and it was, like, in the newspaper. This guy, I think he was funded with, like, the the city like for a 50 50 split of whatever he found he only got like 250 feet deep into the earth before they gave up but he he was talking to like a native american tribe that claimed that these these tunnels and cavern systems were in la and you know lizard people live down there and like they went after it but they they stopped short they didn't go dig deep enough but like it it's been around it's not like phil made this up. like he's the first person to talk about lizard people it's in our traditions mm-hmm. um What's his name? Uh, 
David Icke. Do you know about David Icke? He's a Saturn guy, Madonna, like symbolism, six, you know, six, six stuff. He talks about reptile aliens, you know, controlling the world or like the evil people behind the new world order. Yeah. Uh, he talks about, like Phil talks about, Phil talks about the reptile aliens are like a bad race of alien mm-hmm. and like they, they feed off of, or like their drug of choice is like, you know, uh, a glandular secretion from humans. Adrenochrome. Like adrenochrome. Phil Snyder was talking about adrenochrome before it was cool, Before man. it was cool. But David Icke, too, said that that aliens or, like, reptile aliens feed off of, like, the fear of children, which mm-hmm. is adrenaline. That's what he's trying to say. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Phil. They're trying to say adrenochrome before it was, like, a thing. Yeah. And, in fact, when you uh, watch Phil, like, his lectures, he was doing lectures at... Uh, for two years before his end, before, yeah, before he was yeah. killed. Spoiler yeah. alert. Um, so one of the lectures, he sits there and at the time said, it was in 1994, I believe. Yeah. At the time, he said there was 100,000 missing children known in the FBI database and that they just don't care. They just yeah. don't care what happened to them. They're, they're, they're missing. They're just gone and no one's looking for them. No one's asking about them. I mean, yeah, there, there's something like 100,000 kids go missing a year or something like that. Yeah. I mean, there's a story of in Haiti in like 2010 when they had the bad hurricane mm-hmm. that there was people trying to take like, uh, it was like, you know, masked as like a church or like a foundation trying to take children away from Haiti to like a different country, like just getting them on buses. Jesus. And like they got caught and they all went to jail. And like it was just wild. Bill Clinton is the guy that went to Haiti to get these people out of jail. And it makes no fucking sense. Like, why does Bill Clinton have to get these people out of jail, you know? Isn't that wild? <laughs> that is crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, you could look that up. I don't get it. I, like, what the hell does Bill Clinton have to do with these people trying to steal kids and bring them across country? I well, of course, you know, they're they're accused of. Yeah, I know. They're I, the front runners of the accusations there. Yeah, I know. But that's a whole nother episode <laughs> that we are going to do. Dude, we got to get into Epstein didn't kill himself soon because that's it's fine. a good topic. Um, <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, so, so talk about uh, so let's uh, Valiant Thor. Yeah, so that's what I was gonna say. That. Well, let's talk about his dad first, which ties into Valiant Thor. Oh, so yeah. yeah, go on. All right, so Phil Schneider's dad was born in Germany in 1906. Yes, right. And if you look up anything about him, uh, you'll mostly find that he was just like a U.S. naval officer, but he was actually a German U-boat captain. Yes, but. There's no mention if it was for the Nazis or if it was for the, you know, the German whatever before army or navy, whatever they had before. I don't know what it's called. So if he was born in 1906, I was just talking, you know, trying to figure some stuff out. He would have been 27 when Hitler took power. Yeah. And so even if he enlisted in the military when he was 18, he's not going to become a U-boat captain right away. Yeah. He, you know, you got to serve your time. He probably served a whole like, you know, whatever, Total. however many years. Yeah. So he would have been 27 when Hitler took power. Um, and I couldn't find anything about when he came to America. Like I was trying to find when he came to America so I could just see if he worked with the Nazis. Um, and I couldn't find anything about him coming to America. But he was married in New York in 1939. Um, so there's like a six-year window. A si- yeah, yeah. That's exa- there's a six-year window between when Hitler took power and when he got married in New York that he could have been working for the Nazis at that time. Um, and, and this is just, after like we started talking about earlier, it kind of like blew my mind 
And um, when he came to America is when, well, I'll let, I'll let Joe get into this more uh, with the Philadelphia project, but he was instrumental in the, de- in the design of nuclear submarines um, in Germany. Like he was the head of like whatever, yeah. the group. And so that's why I think it was involved with Hitler because, as you know, one of their big things were like invisibility and they were trying to turn their ships invisible. They were trying to make UFOs that were invisible. invisible, Yeah. And then he comes to America and works on the Philadelphia project. And I mean, experiment or yeah, experiment. Do you want to talk about that a little bit or? Yeah, I was, I was so enamored with what you're going into, but uh, (laughs) yeah, what he had a six year window of where he could have been, you know, uh, a Nazi, you know, UFO guy. But uh, if you look into William Tompkins, uh, you know, confessions or what he's talking about, I don't know if you ever heard of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, William Tompkins is talking about how he used to work for the Navy and how they used to get German spies out of Germany, you know, that used to work in their Navy or defected to come back and tell them what they were doing. And like, it kind of makes sense to me. I, w- I just corroborate it because I got no evidence to prove this, but maybe Phil Schneider's dad is one of those people that was in Germany when he took power and was working on, you know, the UFOs or like the vertical propulsion stuff and brought it back, you know, to the mm-hmm. United States. Because like Joe said, the Philadelphia experiment, if no one's familiar with it, is like, it's an alleged experiment where the United States had a, a vessel in Philadelphia shipyard, right? And it, mm-hmm. they tried to portal jump it or like make it disappear and reappear. Yeah. It's not really like exactly like there's no really definite answer on what the goal of the experiment was, right? Yeah. I think it was really they were just trying to move it from one space to another without it being seen. Yes. But in order to do that, it involved like traveling through time. Or a portal jump. Exactly. Like okay. So the thing about the... Well, not everyone knows what... <laughs> you just say, oh, portal jump. Tesla time travel. All right. So <laughs> what happened was, or allegedly what happened was, when the ship came back from wherever it went, like when it portal jumped and came back... You know, it didn't come back exactly where it was. You know, things moved. And the people inside the ship, when they came back, came back like, you know, some of them were inside the walls of the ship. Like, their yep. half their torso came out one wall and their legs came out the other side and, like, died. And, like, like it's this massive conspiracy, you know. Some of them were sick and some of them went crazy. Yeah. Some of them have crazy things going on. But what me and Joe were digging and doing our research, uh, Oscar Schneider, Phil's dad, you know, he was allegedly involved with, you know, how this was going on, going down or how it worked. And he actually, what did he do? Like, um, he researched or he looked into the people that came back that had like alien implants or some crazy, he alleged like crazy things. Like, yeah. So the, the crazy people, sorry, I shouldn't say that. The, the people that, people. the people that like, you Us. know, had, had mental effects from the portal jump, they were put into a psychiatric ward and then the other ones that were, they were pretty much, you know, on their deathbeds, like they were dying, but they were sitting there waiting for them to die. And then Phil's dad, Oscar, was involved in the autopsy yeah, of these, of these, uh, you know, people. people. And yeah, they they found some weird chips. Uh, they found tran- a transistor in one of them before the transistor was even invented. Yeah. And it was only out of this world technology. So... When you portal jump, it, you know, who knows? Who knows how long you're somewhere else and you come back? Um, I mean, there's people that say, like, outlandish shit. Like, Emery Smith is a guy that's, like, follows Stephen Greer, and he's, you know, he's talked with David Wilcock and them. Emery Smith said he did portal jumps where 
I think it'd be like a 10 minute time yep. difference when you came back or where you went to. But you're gone for like years. Or yeah, you could be gone yeah. for who, who knows how long. So maybe if people portal jumped, you know, it could be instantaneously, instantaneously for us. And maybe it, you know, was like two days for them. Maybe aliens like intercepted them in, in between the time space continuum, planted them with the chips, sent them back. Who knows? You know, I don't even, I don't even know. But all I'm saying is yeah. that it's just incredibly uh, coincidental that Phil's dad worked on some top secret shit like this and he's got, he's like been scrubbed clean. There's no data on who he was before he was in the U.S. military. Yeah, I mean, you really so, can't find anything. Like, don't, like, only that he was born in Germany. It, yeah. it was hard to even find that he was part of the German Navy. It's and like, of course, they're not going to put out there yeah. that he was like a Nazi, but he probably was. Yeah, it's like a Project Paperclip kind of thing. You yeah, know? It's exactly. just like... Because it, well, it's good you bring that up. I mean, it's it's known that you know during World War II and at the end of World War II, you know the U.S. brought these German scientists over and just forgave all of their war crimes. I yeah. mean, all the bad stuff they did. It was just like, all right, we'll forget about it. You're yeah. just working now for us you now. Work for us now, exactly. So yeah, I mean, if you got time, look up William Tompkins because he talks about defectors from the German, you know, naval, you know, army or whatever you call that. And how they were working with them to get our kind of, you know, projects up and going. So that's very, very cool stuff. But anyway, Mm -hmm. Phil also talks about an alien that his father worked with, Valiant Thor. Joseph? Yeah, and it was good to introduce, uh, you know, Phil's dad first because, as Joey said, uh, Phil had a lot of touring items, a lot of touring flair with him. He would bring... Uh, like a glass case filled with different elements and different rocks. And he was known for having documents and photos and this wealth of, of proof that he would bring around with him. Um, in fact, talking about the Philadelphia experiment, when his dad died, he said that he found the documents in his dad's basement that proved the Philadelphia experiment did exist. Um, but the man you're just talking about, Joe, is... Uh, in a photo that Phil always shows, and you can find this online, and it's Phil's dad, and it's uh, some of the top uh, nuclear scientists at the time. Uh, we looked we looked them up just to try to find their name. Uh, Arthur Compton and Carl Compton, they, they are real. They are people. You can look them up. And then there's another man in the room named Val Valiant Thor. Valiant Thor, the man from Venus. What a good name. So, yeah, so Valiant Thor... It's kind of like the first time you get into it, you laugh at it because it's like, oh, yeah, a guy from Venus. It's funny. <laughs> but a uh, little interesting tidbit is I told you this, like last month, NASA like let out that there's a gas being emitted from Venus that could only be admitted from Venus if there was, you know, there if there was life there's on There's something planet. happening. Yeah. There's Some an organism, you know, that is living on that planet could only admit that kind of gas. So they mm-hmm. kind of confirmed there's life on Venus. So I don't know what Venus's atmosphere is really like. None of us really know. I mean, it's closer to the sun than us, but what if their atmosphere is thicker than ours? Yeah. So we don't know. But anyway, yeah, Valiant Thor, the legend of Valiant Thor. You know, if you look at this photograph, we're going to post it on the Twitter and on the mm-hmm. Facebook so you could see he's supposedly, you know, uh, an alien. He looks like a Nordic alien where he looks like us. He's large. He's a large. He looks like a large man. It's claimed that he has one giant lung, you know, instead of two lungs, mm-hmm. six fingers instead of five. Talk about the giants that, you know, the Nephilim that are in, you know, North America. We'll talk about that. But, uh, yeah, Valiant Thor, the 
So he's a he's a big humanoid man. Yeah. So he looks like us. Yeah. Um, and as you you pointed out to me before, you know, they say there's a race of human humanoid aliens that, you know, they may stop here for, like you said, to, for fuel or they may do whatever, yeah. but they could pass through without us ever knowing. Exactly. Yeah. So if you have time, Charles Hall wrote a book, like I think it's called Walking with the Tall Whites. And this man worked for the military at like Area 52, you know, by Area 51. And he worked with that. <laughs> it's not as cool as 51, as cool. it's 52. Yeah, he worked uh, as like a weather balloon guy. But you can't find this like on Google anymore. That's what I'm talking about. Like Google's been brushed clean. Like that net neutrality like killed everything. I can't even pull up his story anymore. Like you could only find it on social media or if you buy the book on Amazon. But um, yeah, this guy talks about how he's... You know, he was introduced to aliens. Like, they don't look exactly like us, but if they had sunglasses on and, you know, they're out late at night and you're, you know, walking around Las Vegas, you couldn't tell the difference. They just look like goofy people, tall, goofy people. And um, I just think that's really cool when we're talking about all these different species of alien. Like, there's aliens that look like us. You know, there's not, you know, just one group of aliens. It's not just the gray aliens. Like, that's what people, it's hard to accept, but that's kind of like where we're at. It's like... There's a ton of aliens, like yeah, and um, <clears throat> sorry. In one of his lectures, Phil talks about there being nine different different races he knows of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Paul Hellier. He was a Canadian, you know, Minister of Defense. Like this is an actual person that held like a position of power in a government that was telling you know the world. Mm -hmm. He he was on TV telling the world. He said, you know, the world has been in contact with at least four different species of aliens for thousands of years. Like that's what their defense you know, minister said. And it's like, we don't even acknowledge it because the president of the United States won't say aliens are real. I mean, our government's releasing documents. There's people mm -hmm. that used to work in our government. They're saying aliens are real. UFOs are real. But until the president of the United States says it, no one's going to believe it. I just don't get that philosophy. I don't know. I I'm mean, sorry. <laughs> well, you know, with the coronavirus happening and they release uh, videos of UFOs saying, yeah, these are UFOs. And then everyone just like, oh, okay, oh, okay, sure. Like no one even knew no, what happened. Yeah, no one even cares anymore. <laughs> but uh, but uh, Valiant Thor, you know, he could have been one of these tall people. He could uh, have been an alien. Dude, and that's what I'm talking about. One of these tall alien, what did you call them? The, the Nordic? Nordics. The Nordics. Tall whites. Tall whites. There you go. So anyway. Back to Valiant Thor and to try and corroborate if he was a person or if this kind of person exists. You know, the legend of the six-fingered man. You know, what's that movie, The Princess Bride? Like, <laughs> like uh, there's Native Americans, like, that are buried in mounds still to this day. And they have their mm -hmm. skeletons. They have some skeletons that they, they've actually looked at. You could go look it up. Like, eight-foot-tall people lived on this planet not too long ago and have six fingers. Like, it's like a different species of human. It's not exactly human. And don't you have some, like, uh, article you pulled up? up yeah, I was, I was looking at uh, some research earlier because you said something that made me look into it a little bit more. And Yeah. Uh, we were looking at the, you know, the Native Americans. Like, he said, have these stories of, you know, these tall people. All, all the different tribes, not all of them, but they all kind of have a similar story that matches. Um, but... The way they describe them is a little bit different. Um, but one of the American tribes, so this is interesting because it's in Nevada too, so it's kind of like in the, in the area. Um, they have a tradition, a traditional story of uh, tall, red-haired, white cannibals of at least 10 feet tall 
who lived near or in what is now known as Lovelock Cave in Nevada. Um, they're called the, I'm probably not going to say this right, it looks like the Sitka Giants. Um, so people thought that this was just a, a tale, like some folklore. Yeah. Whatever. Well, during uh, an excavation of this cave, they actually found that somebody did live here that practiced cannibalism. Um, so they found human remains there. Uh, they found human bones with the bone marrow removed. And they actually found red hair. But they said the red hair could have turned red over time. It could have been black that turned red over time. Um, but then, you know, you got a lot of people that will criticize this, uh, apparently. And you, you could look all this up. I mean, I found a couple different articles about it. Um, and so one of the anthropologists there, uh, Llewellyn Loud, uh, went and investigated this place. And they agree that the excavation was just poorly handled and does not live up to modern standards. Um, so these artifacts are just really gone right now. And, uh, yeah, who knows where they taken? I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it's known, this is a known excavation. Like this, ha- people known this to happen. Like, well, there's, there's stories. Where is the I remains? Mean, I shouldn't you know? say there's stories. There's facts that there are giant, you know, remains in burial mounds yeah. along like the Southeastern, you know, states, uh, actually in Ohio too. And, to go back on that some more, you know, there's stories in the Bible, like Sodom and Gomorrah, like, you know, mm. there was like a race of people that were just like, God didn't like these people and he destroyed, you know, these people. Like, there's a different type of human that lived here before, according to our, our you know, religions. Mm-hmm. Um, they even have, you know, you talk about stuff like that, like they show like nuclear war that's wiped out, you know, people that lived here once. You know, there's, there's a... Um, there's glass in like deserts and like India and stuff like that could only be there if like, you know, the sand got so hot, like as hot as the sun, like it's describing nuclear detonation. Like I really do believe like an alien race decided like, Oh, we messed up on our first experiment. We're going to blow them up and try again. You know, there's remains of Mm -hmm. a different species that was on this planet. Yeah. Or like, plus, you know, the underground cities, it's like, we don't like this species. Let's hide the ones we want to <laughs> exactly, keep yeah. and blow up the others. Well, I mean, even Noah's Ark and the Great Flood, it's like he chose people he wanted to keep, mm-hmm. you know? You know, is this story made belie- make-believe or why is this story in every, you know, civilization's history of a great flood yeah. and a chosen person and, like, we restarted civilization? You know, you're getting hit with a velvet hammer. Like, everybody's doing it, like, with the pyramids. Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Giants. Giants. Giants yeah. is what's going on. Giants and aliens. And Valvalian Thor. Valvalian Thor. Giants. Badass name. He, uh, so there's really no, in a lot, like, no information on this guy. There's two known photos of him. Yeah. But so. anyways, uh, talk about Phil's, uh, Element 140. Okay, yeah. So this is another thing that people call him skeptical, because, uh, so the picture of Valvalian Thor with his father, with the nuclear scientist, yeah, that this is, like, evidence he brings and then he brings um, elements with him, too. And in one of his lectures, he talks about element 140. And it says that a lot of our military technology, like the jets, subs, is built out, out of this element 140. Um, it's very heavy. He said it's the heaviest element known to man. And it could it's withstand extreme temperatures, like millions of degrees. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and what he called it was Corbomite. And so this is what why people say he's full of shit. I yeah. Mean, that there said element 140 apparently for I'm I'm not a big fan of Star Trek. <laughs> but yes, apparently element 140 exists in Star Trek and it's called Corbomite. Yeah. And everyone's saying this guy, is, you know, is telling us a lie, telling us that you know, taking names from whatever and telling us that this is real. But so I started looking up element 140. Yeah. And element 140 is now called some ridiculous name that I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. You can look it up. Mm -hmm. Um, But that name is a temporary name. (laughs) Like it says, this is a temporary name. Like it's not officially called that. It starts with a U. Yeah. So maybe in the nineties, you know, you take, you take, people take stuff from pop culture all the time and name it things, you know? Uh, you know, people named like species of animals after other people. So maybe in the nineties they were just calling it Corbomite. I don't know. Cause like pop culture, Star Trek was popular, but when I looked up element 140, I mean, it, it exists and it actually is the heaviest, one of the heaviest elements. I can't say it's the heaviest. There might be something, but it's known as a super heavy element. Yeah. So it's, it sounds like what he's describing. It could, it could uh, withstand extreme heat as well. So it's like, no matter what it's called, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's the same element that Phil was describing. Um, so this is stuff he would bring on his lectures. And, you know, it's just, it's alien technology, element 140. We got it from the aliens. Yes, uh, what, one thing I wanted to say about uh, Valiant Thor, I forgot, um, is part of Phil's story is that he grew up around these guys. So he went to, uh, there's pictures of him like at his dad's office as a little boy and stuff. So he actually grew up around Valiant Thor and Valiant Thor was like an, just walked around saying like, yeah, I'm an alien. Like I'm from Venus. And he told Phil that his race could live between 450 and 500 years. And Phil said he knew him his whole life from when he was a little boy to when, you know, he started growing up. And he said that man never aged a day in his life. Well, if it's true. <laughs> if but, it's uh, true. All right. So, so, yeah, Phil says a lot of whacked out things. He has a lot of he has a lot of stuff. He talks about but one element 140. He talks about, you know, like adrenochrome. He hits everything, man. He's, the he's things a cavalier. Can, yeah, the things we could hang our hats on that you can't really argue is like he was disfigured somehow. And I don't know, you know, how much you could argue that he was disfigured. Um you know, talking about adrenochrome and stuff like that is like very, you know, trendy now. Like everyone's talking about some things that mm-hmm. he said or talking about now. Um, and then his death, like you cannot, you know, argue that he wasn't murdered. They said he uh, committed suicide, but like if you look at the photos and what this man said, like this man would give lectures and he would say crazy things and he would do crazy things and he's handing out, you know, heavy, super heavy metals that no one's supposed to ever see. And then he says, um, just so you know, I would never kill myself. If you hear that I committed suicide, you know that the government got me. Two weeks after he said that on video, he committed suicide. And mm-hmm. a catheter was wrapped around his neck like three times. And it's a violent, you know, autopsy photo. Yeah. And um, actually, before even the, before the, the suicide, he claims that people were hunting him down and he tells stories about his daughter was uh abducted briefly but they got her back 
and then they caught the FBI agent that was abducting her daughter, like their daughter, him and his wife. She was thrown in a van and they like stopped him somehow. I don't know. And got the daughter, daughter back. But then he also said like he was being hunted and he claims that he shot and killed an FBI agent in a firefight. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So an FBI guy is hunting him down and he kills the FBI guy. This man claims that he walked into an FBI headquarters and told them, <laughs> I just killed an FBI agent. And they replied to him with, these things happen sometimes. <laughs> because they, they don't want it to get out. Like, they don't want I don't publicity. Know. They don't want the press. They don't want people to find out what's really going on. So they just tell him, go home, Phil. These things happen sometimes. I don't know how much I believe that one, though, because it's kind of, like, silly. I know it is crazy. Well, I'm saying he says crazy stuff. I know, stuff, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He then, said it. All, all I'm saying is, like... Then with the death, so... The death was violent. Oh, yeah, so that... It's just like weird, like different things. Like, so it, I guess it was supposed to be staged. Like he hung himself, but his feet were like under his bed. I think by this time he was in a wheelchair um, because he was found like with his head on the wheelchair. There was like blood on the floor, but no blood on the wheelchair and like his feet underneath the bed. And like you said, something wrapped around his neck. And it's like, were they trying to make it like he hung himself or what? But I don't know what yeah. it was, but it wasn't like a natural So he death. He had cancer, so he was like, you know, doing like, yeah. I don't know if he was doing dialysis or I don't even know what that stuff is, but he had a catheter that he had to use. And they said, that, well, the picture shows the catheter's wrapped around his neck like three times. Mm-hmm. And like, it don't look like he hung himself and, you know, there's like, you know, a little red mark by the base of his neck, you know, underneath his chin. Uh, I'm seeing pictures of the back of his neck is like bloody bruised. Like someone was pulling on that thing. Like, yeah, the guy didn't look like he went, you know, in a nice way. And, you know, that's violent enough. But the things he said before it, he said like his friends, you know, were committing suicide that weren't committing suicide, but Mm -hmm. they're making it look like suicide. You know, he was saying like, I would never kill myself. Please don't believe it. Two weeks later, dead. Yeah. And I guess he had uh, some money and valuables in the house. I guess there was maybe some jewelry or something. All that stuff was left there, but all that stuff he brought with him on the tours, the photos, the Element 140, the uh, the, the documents, documents showing that the Philadelphia Project happened, all gone, just gone. Like, that's what they took. But they didn't take the jewelry. They didn't take the cash. They just took that stuff. Yeah, I know. So, if anything from tonight, go watch a Phil Schneider lecture. He's the godfather of... Deep underground military bases. <laughs> Bob Lazar is a godfather of whistleblowing. I there mean, is uh, a, a map of those bases, too, that you bring it up. He did uh, construct a map. It's called the Dumb Map, D-U-M-B. Uh, you could go look it up. It shows the military bases and then uh, how they're connected. Uh, supposedly, there was a Mach 2 train that would take the people between the bases. And, like, that's something that's corroborated. Like, Bill Uhouse, the guy that worked at uh, S4 or something like that, mm-hmm. he was talking about how they're connected underneath, underground. They're yeah. all connected underground. Yeah. You, you know, like, they, David Wilcock was talking about how, you know, at 9-11, they, uh, they had the Donald Rumsfeld the day before said, the United States can't account for a trillion dollars like we've lost. And he said, you know, a trillion dollars could buy you anything, really. You could create a whole city or cities with a trillion dollars. Like, think about the where did of, it go? Yeah, you know what I mean. And the black budget, like mm-hmm. what they're building. You know, Wanda Vista Tower in Chicago downtown. I think it's like a billion dollars to build that huge skyscraper. What are you doing with that kind of money? You know, 
what are they doing with, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars yeah, well, underground? In the 90s, uh, Phil said the black budget was over $500 billion. Exactly. And that was in the 90s. Exactly. So now it's probably, <laughs> yeah, it's probably in the trillions, trillions. They yeah. had to step up their game. But, yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. And then, uh, oh, we almost forgot about this. Weren't you talking about how he was talking about the first attack on the World Trade Center where they, yeah. they used a fertilizer bomb? Yeah, so in the 90s, the first attack on the World Trade Center, I guess this is maybe all what led up to September 11th, 2001. Maybe this was, you know, like this was planned the, pre- the whole time. Pre-run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, because uh, so it was a fertilizer bomb that was uh, blown up in a rented van in the basement. Um, now, Phil has experienced building, not these buildings, but underground structure support. He said he has information about what kind of uh, support the World Trade Center had. Uh, so the basement floor, just the floor, not the foundation, just the floor itself is 29 feet thick of concrete mm-hmm. on top of whatever foundation it is. You, you said something that like the it could be like 50, 50 stories or something uh, we were saying earlier. Um, so it's very, very thick. And it blew a hole that was 200 feet deep into this cement and 100 feet wide. And they're saying that that was just a fertilizer bomb in a truck. Um, Phil said that there is seven different kinds of rebar and reinforced I-beams yeah, like in steel. this concrete. Yes. And the only thing that could have possibly did this kind of impact is some form of nuclear weapon. Yeah. Um, and then so the nuclear weapons are housed at Mather Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. Um, so two weeks before this attack, for two weeks there was... Mather trucks driving around, parked in front of a World Trade Center. Of the Trade Center, and what were they doing there? They were probably there, you know, Setting preparing the, the blast. Yeah. Really, yeah. So, I mean, like we said, this guy talks about everything. He talks about Waco. He talks about all the government conspiracies and you know what what they're doing to us, really. And uh, one thing about this Trade Center bombing, of course, they they blamed it on a couple of. Uh, you know, Middle Eastern men, I think three of them. And you know how they caught them? How? So the bomb blows up a 200 feet deep, 100 feet wide, wide hole in metal, concrete, yeah. rebar, I-beams. Such a big blast. Yeah. And somehow the FBI says that they recovered the VIN number from the van and traced it back to this guy that rented this van oh in God. such a massive blast. You know how big the VIN number is? Go look at the VIN it's number tiny. on your car. It's tiny. How did that VIN number that is like 17 digits long remain intact Like for you to read it? It makes but no sense. Like so then saying, they go to the rental place, and you know how they caught him? Oh, they said he called for a refund on the van. Sure. Okay, whatever. Yeah, I just blew a hole in the <laughs> World Trade Center, and I'm going to call and ask for the refund of my rental. That's like the, Whatever. the World Trade Center in itself. Like, I remember like a day or two after this horrible event, they're like, we've identified who attacked the World Trade Center. We found their 14 passports. I'm like, what? Yep. I mean, that plane blew the it, fuck up inside. It supposedly plane. crumbled the, the World Trade Center, but the passport survived. The yeah. pieces of paper survived the massive burn and blast. Whatever. Crazy, man. Crazy. Well, well. Anything else uh, about Phil? <laughs> <laughs> Old no, Phil I mean, Schneider? Phil's just like, um, 
you know, death by a thousand cuts. He's got so much information. He connects to everything. I just yeah. think it's a good idea to go watch one of his lectures. Hopefully we brought you enough information to get you started. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty content. I mean, he's in a, he's one of the first, uh, I guess, like, as you say, whistleblowers that I really got, got into, um, Dude, his story is awesome. It's just crazy. It's just crazy stuff. And like he it is outlandish sometimes and he does say a lot like a lot of wild things. He's very patriotic. So please, if you watch some of these lectures, you know, he calls for like an uprising of the American <laughs> people, you know, yeah. like almost some some pretty, you know, out there stuff. But when he talks about like the aliens and when you look into the story and who his dad was and it just makes sense. Yeah, it everything kind of connects. And I thank you, Joe, because as I said, I really got into Phil, but I didn't know a lot about his dad. And literally when I was like looking up his dad and Oscar Schneider and how he could be connected to the Nazis and all this stuff, like it was just, the story was complete. Everything clicked in my mind. <laughs> oh, you mean before we even started recording, I was like, oh, yeah. And you were telling me about his dad. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, looking into it, he was probably a Nazi and it was just like when you're playing like Tetris or something and you're just waiting for that Z piece to drop so you could fit it and, you know, yeah, and clear man. like three rows. Yeah. I just needed that Z. I'm hoping that my, <laughs> you know, giants in North America connecting the Valiant Thor, you know, connects a dot for some people. I thought, I was like, wow, that's wild. Uh, six fingers. Yeah, that is crazy. I mean, I that's that another cool. thing that was very interesting. Yeah. I yeah. hope you guys find it interesting and, uh, you know, as I said earlier, we had a little bit of a delay getting this one out because we had to uh, get approved on all the platforms. I didn't want to start pumping out content before we were approved. Yep. Uh, so we're going to get really uh, into a weekly thing. As I said, uh, Joey mentioned our Twitter earlier. Please follow us on Twitter. It is at Paranormal Play B. Couldn't fit boy. So yes. Paranormal Play B. Uh, also on Facebook. Also on uh, Instagram, we, we haven't posted a lot to Instagram yet. We we were doing uh, some posts on Twitter, but again, we didn't we don't want to really want to post the content before the episode and spoil the episode. So yeah. we give you the facts, we tell you the stories, and now we'll go home and you post everything for you to Yay. check out. And we want to interact with you, so please interact with us. Give us feedback. Tell us what you want to hear. And uh, there will be no after show today because... <laughs> <laughs> Joe can't pick a top five of anything and we'll work on it for next time. <laughs> I asked him we'll, who we'll work on better second. after shows. How about that? Uh, that's not fine. just top five of I things. asked him who's your favorite Power Ranger? And he said Billy. And I was like, yeah. All right, there's he no me. I was like, there's no after show then if Billy is your choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, blue is my favorite color, so it's bad. Well, it, it plays a role in it. Tommy made green my favorite color. Yeah. I didn't choose the color. I choose the man. Tommy Blew into a flute <laughs> that was a sword while he had a helmet on. He's an idiot. <laughs> He's mad. Dude, the Green Ranger. Oh, my God. When the no, Green Ranger cool. popped up, I was just like, what? It was wild. I was like, I already love this show. What? Yeah, it was crazy. I had the Green Ranger toy, and you strapped on, like, the gold vest to him, and oh, he had, yeah, like, man. the blasters. It was, it was a good time. I had a little dagger. I oh, chipped yeah. in my parents' wallpaper. I was just chipping away at the wallpaper, the dagger. I got in so much trouble, man. I but I thought I was story. a man. I thought I was a man. Didn't you say you you knew you were doing something wrong, <laughs> but you couldn't stop? Dude, I had Tommy's flute, the dagger. <laughs> and I, like, I had those gloves that when you like threw a punch, you could push a button. It was like, sk, sk. yeah, yeah it made the noise. And so I wore them around the house like nonstop all day long. Oh man, good time. All right, well.
There's the after show right there. There it is. <laughs> 90s babies. All right, guys. Thank right. you for listening. Thank you for listening. Take care. Did I hit the button? All right, I got to turn the music up. <laughs>